It's that time, the Betting Predators podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter, SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the baseball, basketball, hockey, golf guru, Uncle Dave, better known as Dave Essler. You guys can find him, Dave underscore Essler, on Twitter. And you can get us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. Well, Uncle Dave, we had a uh, action-packed schedule yesterday. Major League Baseball, NBA, and it's only going to get a little bit more jam-packed today. We have hockey. We still got our golf going on. We got MLB. We got NBA. It was a it was a pretty hectic day yesterday, but a day filled with a, a lot of information. Let's go and start with our uh, let's start with what's easy here, Uncle Dave. We have a golf tournament going on right now, and we do have some tickets that are alive. Why don't you give us a, a quick update? on how we're looking with our with our wagers going into Saturday. Well, we're not looking too terribly bad. I guess I'm a little bit disappointed. I, I did not have any money invested in Todd, and I've been on him a couple of times in the last few weeks and didn't. Uh, Ricky's second at minus nine. I do have him in the top 20, but not to win. We do have – I do anyway. I have four guys T12 or better, three guys T8 or better. Not had a minus six yesterday. He's coming on. Webb's doing okay. It's Patrick shooting shot a six under. He's doing well. Uh, so the guys are there. I don't know if there aren't too many guys to leapfrog. Obviously, I think today, today is going to tell the story. Uh, moving day is usually what they call Friday, but for my purposes, I think moving day might be today. You know, I, I need a couple of those guys to get up there, but I think more importantly, I need I need Todd to come back to earth. Yeah, and that's certainly a guy that you've been talking about a little bit here, Uncle Dave Todd. And uh, we did talk a little bit at Kepka. He's up there as well. One of my guys that I gave out was Reavy. He's sitting right now at T three. So at least if he can go ahead and cash, it'll uh, it won't be it won't be bad for me. So I'm I'm rooting for him today. Hopefully he'll uh, go ahead and make a move and and get you know even further up the leaderboard. So we'll see how that all works out. A little bit of golf stuff. Now we do have some NBA, we do have some Major League Baseball, and we have hockey trying to think of what I want to start out with. I want to start out with the early stuff that we have here, Uncle Dave, so our listeners who are listening to this podcast can go ahead and get those wagers in. Why don't we go ahead and start with the hockey, Uncle Dave? We can get that out of the way because we do want to talk, and and you know how we are. We we usually, once we start talking baseball, we, we go on a, a tangent, and we do have a couple NBA games. I do have some sound here from Mackenzie Rivers. He has a best bet for you, and he also has a concept he wants you guys to go ahead and put into consideration. So, Uncle Dave, you have a NHL play that you like for today, and you also have a series wager that involves one of the games you're going to talk about. Why don't you go ahead and rip and run with that one? Yeah, Sleepy, I bet the Oilers to beat the Blackhawks today and in the series. The NHL has had two positive COVID tests in two weeks, and, you know, that's two things. That tells me it's no wonder they won't let the Blue Jays play any home games. But because they haven't had many positive tests, I'm going to – Trust the regular season more here than I might in other sports. The first game is in Edmonton. They're all in Edmonton. They're in a bubble. No fans, but familiarity. And I think this is more about Chicago. You know, they, I don't think they expected to be here. If they did, they wouldn't have traded away Laner and Gustafson at the deadline. It looks like Corey Crawford will play for Chicago. He, he's their only chance. He's the hot goalie. But he hasn't seen live action in forever. He was a COVID victim. And I look back at Edmonton, they got the best power play unit. They scored almost 30% of their chances. Blackhawks power play sucks, 28th. 
Chicago gives up the most high-quality scoring chances of any playoff team. And his favorite habit, Edmonton has the two highest point producers in the NHL. I think the Blackhawks are going to want a slog of the game, but I don't think they're going to get it against the Oilers, who I bet on to win the first game and the series. And as I'm talking this through, I also like the over because I don't trust the Oilers goaltending. So there's kind of three bets for you. The, the, the Oilers today, the Oilers in the series, and over six this afternoon. I'm sure nobody will have a problem with you going ahead and giving out a bunch of wagers. I like the NHL schedule here, Uncle Dave. You know, they have games split out like throughout the day where they're not really going to overlap uh, a whole hell of a lot. You have a game at noon, a game at three, another one at four, and then you have an eight and a 1030. So if you're looking to go ahead and, and wager on hockey and especially watch hockey, you know, if you had a rough day in NBA or Major League Baseball, you know, at least there's a, there's certainly some hockey to watch. I'll be watching that one. Now, I've been really focused in on, on the Golden Knights. Now, I'm, I'm normally, you know, I'm a Flyers fan, but, you know, being out there in Vegas when, you know, the Golden Knights came to town, it was a, it was a, it was a really cool feeling and there was just it was just so damn hard to not go ahead and back that team and, and rally around them, you know, after they had that whole Vegas massacre and all that shit like that out there. Um, that team really just kind of pulled the community together. So naturally I root for them. I can't wait to go ahead and watch those guys play. So um, I'll probably have a couple NHL tickets today. I do have a couple angles that I'm looking at, but I would like to go ahead and see how they, they kind of restart because they've been off for quite some time. So it'll be interesting to see how the NHL looks and how that whole you know, bubble situation picks up. Now we do have some early baseball today, if you want to call it early, Uncle Dave. A lot of these games today, there won't be any day games in baseball, but the early one here is going to be Cincinnati at Detroit. Cincinnati's going to go ahead. They're going to have Bauer on the mound. Detroit, they're going to go ahead and counter with Fulmer. We have a total right now, nine. Cincinnati, pretty big favorite here. Money's rushed in on them. This one opened at minus 160, now up to 190 at some of these sports books. I'm not sure which way you're going to go here, Uncle Dave, but I will say one thing. I am a little bit surprised that Detroit right now has a 5-3 and three record and Cincinnati has a 2-5 and five record. But I do have a slight lean to the total here. I'll let you go ahead and rip and run on this one first. What are you thinking for that game? Well, I mean, I had to wonder why Bauer is such a prohibitive favorite. And, and, and you know, I looked at it, and, and I know why. Yeah, he just beat the Tigers badly. But I always look for the opposite to happen in sort of recent rematches. And they did see the Tigers plenty of him when he was with the Indians. But the Reds are going to need him to go deep. They have a horrendous bullpen. So I, I am leery. I, I won't lay 190 with uh, basically a team that has a considerably worse record right now. But I've always thought Fulmer had an upside. You know, he's, he's burned me on more than one occasion. But after the Royals knocked him around last week, you know, it's tough for me to consider his upside. You know, I, I leaned Reds in their game last night and didn't pull the trigger. Uh, and I don't like to hop on a train too late. But I think with that total inching down a little bit, uh, you know, it's still nine, but the, but the juice is, is juiced under a little bit. I think the best play here might be the Tigers' run line, Sleepy. I mean, if it's going to be a lower scoring game and you, you have the better bullpen and the home team uh, getting a, a run and a half at basically next to nothing is just too much value for me to pass up. So uh, I'm not betting it, but 
if somebody wants day action, uh, you should you should take my not bet because if I don't bet it, I, the Tigers will probably win. But uh, I'm definitely leaning Detroit run line here. I was leaning to the over in this one. Reason being, I, I didn't like the, the shape that Fulmer was in. Now, Bauer looked good in his first game, you know, when he played these guys. But for some reason, I, I have a feeling he may regress. I mean, for, for him to come back out and, and pitch, you know, really, really well, I think is asking a lot. And then, you know, they just got to look at him. He talked about that Reds bullpen, and it didn't look all that great yesterday. The only way I could really look in that one is over. So let's jump over to an NL East game here, Uncle Dave. One that we actually talked about in our last podcast that involved the New York Mets, Atlanta Braves. You know, we I was trying to talk you into taking the over because you had a a total of the week a couple of days back with the Mets and Atlanta, and and you hit that one rather easy. And then if you watched that game last night, I believe they put up like twenty. I know they put up twenty runs in that game at least. I think it was twenty one in that game. This total sitting here right now at ten and a half. Atlanta home favorite here. Lukewarm though, only minus one ten, minus one fifteen. Gonna have walk on the mound for the Mets. Toussaint for the Braves. From the results from the last game that these teams played, Uncle Dave, I decided to go ahead yesterday. I plugged in a fantasy lineup yesterday, and I plugged in four Mets, four Atlanta guys. I ended up coming in first place yesterday. I mean, those lineups just went absolutely bonkers. So I'm not sure what you think today about these two teams. But again, I'm looking to the over. I know it's at 10, 10 and a half at most of these books. But, you know, right now these bullpens don't look all that sharp. You know, the bats are actually swinging rather well. I don't have much of a lean to his side here, but I'll let you go ahead, rip and run on this one first. What are you thinking about the Mets and Braves? Well, I'm agreeing with you there. I mean, I, I, I couldn't I couldn't touch a side. I mean, I would never I would never not take Atlanta at home at that price. But um, I you know, I I'm I'm a little reluctant to do that. But you look at Walker and I mean that's the reason the price is what it is based on his history and he looked pretty solid against Boston last week, but it was against Boston and everybody looked solid. It was also an AL team, the Red Sox who never see him. Conversely, the Braves have seen him not not a lot, but enough and with some reasonable success. And you know, the other reason I, I couldn't go with the Mets is I I just can't imagine where their heads at after they blew a huge lead last night. I don't remember what it was. It might have been eight to two, um, but you know that's tough to come back from. Then you got Toussaint on the other side. The Mets have seen him, uh, and in fact, Tampa Bay kind of tore him a new one last week. So you're right. I, I don't see how it stays under. The caveat there being Marty Foster. He's the home plate umpire. And honestly, Sleepy, he's a dead nuts umpire. But I'm thinking that might be negated by the temperatures are going to be closer to 100 than 90 in Atlanta tonight. So, you know, what I'm, what I'm thinking here is because of that heat, neither starter is going to go very far. And as you said, neither bullpen is ever going to go very far. So, you know. I love it at 10. I like it at 10 and a half. I, I think over is probably the play there. Yeah, I think the question I have to ask myself is how long is Waka going to last, you know, pitching well? I, I don't I don't trust that guy at all. I mean, do we, I get it when, you, when you're a guy who was sitting with a team for, you know, a number of years and it's like, all right, cool. You know, he's with the Cardinals for, for a, a decent amount. But once I see guys who, who get shipped out, you know, where it starts to look like they're trending down. I always have this thought in my head that, you know, there's a reason why they why that guy's not on the team anymore. And generally it's not, you know, because of money. It's, you know, he's he's run his course 
as an MLB pitcher. And he's in that, you know, second chapter of his career where, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's time to pick up and go somewhere else, buddy. It's, you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, rebuild here for the future and get some decent arms in here. And I get it. Like you said, you know, but anybody's going to look good against Boston right now. They're not playing well. I just don't think that that Waka, you know, with his 1.8 ERA and his four strikeouts is going to manage, you know, all that well here on the road in Atlanta. I just don't see it. So I would play the over 10 if you can get that. And that's available at some sports books. And you probably get a decent, maybe a plus 110, plus 105 if you decide to go ahead and take the over 10 and a half, which I wouldn't necessarily recommend. But that's it for baseball, Uncle Dave. I want to go ahead and jump over to some NBA action here. Now, I do have some audio here from Mackenzie we'll get into. But, Uncle Dave, I got to ask you, yesterday, let's start back with day one. Day one, we have two games, pretty exciting. Both games go under. And I'm sitting here thinking under is probably going to be the way to go. And a lot of our thought process was under was probably, you know, the way to go in some of these early NBA games. But we go 6-0 and yesterday to the over. The Houston Rocket game, they end up with 300 points in that game. There were a couple other games that ended up at like 250. But every game yesterday goes over. And the only thing I can come up with, Uncle Dave, were the amount of fouls that were being called in these games. There were 323 fouls yesterday in the six games combined. So you're looking at, you know, 50 fouls a game, putting guys on the line where there is no crowd, there is no distraction. But I'm curious what you saw yesterday. Maybe it was just, you know, just terrible defense. So maybe the defense is actually behind the offense. Maybe we got lucky in the first two games that they went under. I don't know. I mean, they went under by a decent amount. So I'm sitting here a little bit confused on what to do with these totals right now. A lot of these totals have shot up, and it's been like that for the, you know, the first three days here. And, And again, these totals are moving by four or five points. And I've seen a lot of erratic movement, but, you know, what did you make yesterday from what you saw in basketball, you know, with those totals in general? I mean, every game going over, what did you see? Well, I think that going forward, you know, yesterday people are on the unders because of the first two days. And and then yesterday, all these games go sailing over the total. And that may or may not continue. Personally, I'm not going to touch any totals. You know, there's always regression. The the, line, the totals are shooting up, and they're going to continue to shoot up. But, you know, at some point, uh, either people start playing defense or or there's just regression in the way the game's played. And and I just uh, am not ready to go either way with the total. I, I'm a little bit pissed at myself for taking the under in the Brooklyn game when, in fact, you and I talked – time and time again about the restart. And I said, you know, maybe there's a chance we don't see a lot of defense. You know, I think these guys maybe, you know, if they're thinking about the pandemic, I'm, I'm probably not going to get in someone's face as much as I might if I wasn't thinking about the pandemic. I guess that could be some of it. But sure enough, um, I, I said one thing and, and did another. And, you know, I as far as where it goes from here, you know, my inclination is to start, at some point, taking unders. I don't know if it's going to be today. I think I'll just, I think I'll just uh, let everybody else throw the darts, and I'll just watch. Uh, but you know, I, I you know, I, the fouls. You know, I don't think I don't know if there were really many more or many less than you might see in an, in any other game. I, I I just think it's the way the game's played. I mean, I just don't think they're 
you know, getting in people's face like they might otherwise. And I can't say that I blame them now. Is that going to change? Yeah, I think it will. But I also think it's going to be a game-to-game thing because, you know, they've only got seven games left, some of them. And, and as as teams lose a few or win a few, more and more of those games become absolutely meaningless. And absolutely meaningless games can also go either way. You know, I've had so many games during the regular season where I had an under and it was, you know, under by, by a ton, uh, you know, 50-point quarters for three quarters, and, and I got, you know, 225 under. Uh, and then the fourth quarter goes out there, and, and they just play a track meet with the scrubs. So, you know, if you're asking me what I think is going to happen, I have no idea. I really don't. Uh, and I will I will leave totals alone because I just don't know. I mean, I, I know at some point when I do take totals again, they will be unders. I just don't know when. I think yesterday – may have been an example that you had a lot of poor teams, you know, when it comes to, you know, defense in general. And I got to wonder if they set it up that way to, you know, make it where it looked like it was a, you know, normal, cool basketball. Everybody likes points. I get that. But, you know, you have a, a team like Brooklyn who they don't play much defense. Portland, Memphis, I mean, they're, they're poor. Uh, you got Washington and Phoenix, again, poor defensive teams. Then you could look over at, you know, well, well how did Milwaukee and Boston go over? Well, they're, you know, high percentage shooting teams, especially like inside the paint. So, and then you had Houston and Dallas. I mean, that game was just insane. Um, those guys just simply couldn't miss. But, I mean, they were making buckets all over. So maybe it was just one of those days where, you know, everything kind of aligned where just everything went over. And I, I the only way I could view it is, you know, that there's, a, there's probably going to be an overreaction in the market today. But if you look at the teams that are playing today, you know, you don't have those those, you know, teams that are trying to play in that, you know, if they don't win every game or if they don't win four or five games, you know, they're not going to end up making the playoffs. But today it seems like you have a lot more of the competitive type teams that are going to be going out and playing. So if I were going to go ahead and play unders, yeah, it probably would be today. Um, that would be something that I would be looking at. The game I want to talk about, though, Uncle Dave, is a game that we have actually seen both of these teams play, and that's the Pelicans Clippers game. We saw the Pelicans open up on opening night we saw the Clippers open up on opening night both teams look didn't look all that bad but both teams come up short at the end of the day now the Clippers are going to be a minus five favorite here total up to 230 and a half I got to be honest with you Uncle Dave the only way I would probably look in this game is under both these teams now have a, a game under their belt and it's one of those situations where you know the Clippers know that you know if they can rattle off another win or two it's going to be extremely tough for the Nuggets to catch them. So I fully expect the Clippers to come out and play a defensive type of game. And the Pelicans, you know, they're at a point where can they run past teams? Yes, but are they going to be able to just run past the Clippers? I think that may be tough. I think we actually see some defensive intensity here from the Pelicans. 230 seems a little bit high, opened up around 226. And I think from the results from yesterday, may have actually had people pile on that one. So the only way I would look in that game is probably under. My gut feeling says Clippers minus five feels kind of right. But in a sense, you know, I, I just wonder if five is just laying too much to the Pelicans because they're a team who, you know, they're, they're, they're really going to be trying to play their rear ends off. And I think a game under their belt will help them. I'm not sure what they're going to do with Zion. Are they going to keep limiting his minutes or whatever? So, you know, if he's not out there and he's not playing, you know, the, the final seven minutes where – 
you know, you need the guy on the floor. You just have to question like what the hell they're going to do. And maybe, maybe he plays 30 minutes tonight. I don't know. I don't know how to, how to really judge the side, but if I, I know at least if I don't have Zion on the floor, um, you know, for the final, you know, eight minutes or if this game turns into a route, you know, that the pace is drastically going to slow down. I think you need a normal regular NBA game at two 30 to get these two teams over. So I, I would, I would lean to, you know, almost liking the under in this one. I'm not sure what you think, Uncle Dave. What do you got? Well, to be honest with you, I'm going to wait until later to figure out what I'm going to do, and I'll tell you why. The Nuggets play the Heat at, uh, I believe, noon or 1 o'clock Eastern time, and the outcome of that game could have some bearing on how motivated the Clippers really are. So, you know, let's assume whatever you will, uh, that that wasn't a factor. You know, I think you're going to get one more desperate effort out of the Pelicans. You know, Portland pulled their game out of their ass yesterday. Uh, San Antonio pulled their game out of their ass yesterday. So, for the, you, know, they, you know, people were talking about New Orleans really needing to win and let's get these guys in the playoffs, but you know they've got they've got three teams to jump, and 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 they lost the game, and the other two didn't. So, you know, I, I, I at some point I think you're going to see the Pelicans just say screw it, uh, but I don't think it's tonight. And the Clippers, on the other hand, you know I don't know how badly they really wanted to beat the Lakers, but they really want to stay in second. I mean the Clippers, the Clippers could easily if they if they fall apart, they could easily follow the sixth seed. You know, which which could mean you know Lakers in the second round potentially, and they don't want that to happen. So uh, what I'm thinking is this is a fairly tight game, and I'm thinking that based on what you said, you know, we don't know what Zion's going to do. I do lean Pelicans for the for you know plus the five, and I think the sharper money, if you will, uh, says that's probably correct. But because I don't know what's going to happen in the second half with Zion. I'm, I'm more inclined to split that with the Pelicans in the first half because I think that may well be something, you know, first half may be something you can count on a whole lot more than you can second halves. You know, in totals, I don't know. You know, you, you mentioned all these totals, and, and I'm looking today at the bet percentages, and every single game there are at least 70% of the tickets on the overs. Now, you just know that's not going to happen. So which games stay under? Um, this could be one of them, but again, I'm going to go back to what I said. I'm not. I'm not ready to play unders, uh, but um, you know, I almost think you could you could blindly play all those overs. You know, books don't typically give away money, and now you're looking at totals that have moved, you know, four to ten points. So how much more value do you have on the under than you would have a week ago? A lot. So I'm just kind of throwing that out there, not necessarily related to this game, just sort of handicapping advice. But if I had to bet this game, it would be the Pelicans, and I would split it with the Pelicans in the first half. You know, bet, you know, I'm going to wait and see what happens in the Denver-Miami game. Right now the line is, is moving pretty quickly towards the heat, meaning that the Denver may well not win the game, which would only add a little more fuel to my fire in the Pelicans bet, I think then they would be a little bit more motivated than the Clippers. So 
Pelicans first half and Pelicans gun to head. We'll wait for the Heat Nuggets game to finish. You know, one of the things I have to ask myself, Uncle Dave, as I look at the market, and this is something that you and I rely on hugely because, you know, we're pretty good at reading the market, but there is a, a certain point of time when, you know, we're in regular season normality where, you know, you and I can kind of judge what's going on with the market and, you know, if the moves are correct, but these moves are just so erratic right now. Even in baseball, there, there's just so much erratic movement where, you know, it's like, like how the hell did this move like four points or, or why did this move, um, you know, down a tick and a half with no, with no information. So if right now reading the market to me just seems like it just seems like it's very, very tough. One of the reasons is, you know, nobody really knows what the hell is going to go, go on. Nobody knows what, what, what these teams are going to do and, you know, if they're motivated or another. And that's one of the things that we have to dissect. But I think one of the hardest things right now, at least to me, um, is trying to read the market and know, you know, know what's sharp money and know what's not. Um, and, and I have a feeling that, you know, a lot of these syndicate betters who, who, who can actually move these lines and these sharp betters that can move these lines, um, you know, that they're trying to manipulate the market in some type of way where, you know, maybe they're they're putting a little bit here, and I think the books are are in a in a weird position where let's just think about this from an information standpoint. You know, there there's not a whole hell of a lot of information coming in, probably to the sports books now that there would be during a normal regular season. You have fans at the game, you have media at the game. These games are, are pretty much you know they're they're locked into a bubble, and there's a whole hell of a lot less information coming out. So let's say you know let's use somebody like Fezzik who. You know, Fezzik, he gets good information. Well, if he just go ahead and he and he says, you know, I'm going to put a little bit of money on this side, and maybe the sports book just respects that so much, thinking that you know maybe there's information there that they that they don't have. Um, you have to wonder if they're just moving, you know, kind of on air or moving with any respected bet that comes in that they're just moving the line, and maybe you know that the, the steam chasers are, are you know following a little bit of that, and, and they're trying to get the best of it as well. I have a feeling that the market is is very inaccurate right now, and and it is kind of jumpy. So it's it's just something to go ahead and keep your eye on. Um, as far as that game, Uncle Dave, one of the things I noticed, if you go and you look for any Zion props, you can't find any. Now, FanDuel has every player imaginable in the Pelicans and Clippers game listed. You can't find one on Zion, so it's telling me that they have no idea what's going to happen. And if you go over to DraftKings right now, there are no props for that game um, at all. So I don't think they have any clue what's going to happen with Zion. I, my guess is that, you know, with, with my underthinking is that, you know, if there are no Zion props, well, then there's no information out there. They don't have any idea if he's going to play. And even if he plays, you know, 30 minutes, I don't think this total is going to crawl too much higher. So. Um, I would go ahead and I would uh, I would lean strongly, kind of like the under. My gut feeling says I'm going to go ahead and uh, play the under in that one. We have some information here from Mackenzie Rivers, and he actually wants to talk about totals in specific. I'm going to go ahead and let you guys listen to that one. And if you know Mackenzie, he's a deep thinker. He has a a very unique thought process when it comes to you know, especially betting the NBA. I mean, he he'll slay the NBA. Um, he's a guy that I wouldn't even want to go up in NBA basketball when it comes to handicapping and breaking down games. So I want to go ahead and let you guys go ahead and listen to that and put some serious thought into uh, you know what he's talking about here. I do have one bonus. It's not a best bet, but it's it's a handicap league-wide that I think is going to come in handy during these reseeding games. So I think you bet unders in second halves – 
especially when there are two teams that are above 500 and they might be playing for, if not necessarily seeding, although seeding might be a factor, it's really dominance and trying to get into that mindset that they can beat the other best teams in the league. All right, so hear me out. We've had three games with above 500 teams matching up so far in the first eight of these reseeding games. We had the Lakers Clippers, we had the Bucks Celtics, and we had the Rockets Mavericks. In those three games, the first half, I mean, these games have been flying over today after two unders, six straight overs, and they weren't even close. But in the first half of these games against competitive teams, both above 500, 127 points in the first half, 108 in the second half. So a 19-point difference. All of these games had the exact same theme. We saw it. When the game was on the line, five, six, seven minutes to go, no no longer did you see those wide-open threes. No longer was Luka Doncic getting those and-ones easy at the cup with no resistance. These teams might not be in top-flight playoff mode yet, but they get much closer to that as they get their sea legs under them. They get playing in these games, and they understand what the other team is trying to do. They bite, they bite their lower lip. They get at it. They, they clinch their nails, whatever metaphor you want to imagine. They hit the floor and get in a defensive position. It's concerted effort, which is what defense is all about. So these games have been flying over, but I think the way to play it is you get to the maybe the middle of the third quarter or beginning of the second half or the beginning of the fourth quarter when you think there's been a spurt and you look to bet unders live or in the second half waiting for that moment. And it's happened in all three of these games against competitive teams above 500. When the going gets tough and the tough get going defensively. We see this every year in all-star games where the total is about 60% of the total is in the first half and 40% in the second half. We might see a similar scenario. So far, it's been that way in these competitive games. I think it's something to keep an eye on. It's something we can take advantage of down the road. So there you go, guys. Solid information from McKenzie. Now, McKenzie will have a best bet. We're going to actually close the pod with McKenzie's best bet. And as always, we we thank McKenzie for going ahead and contributing to the podcast and giving out his, uh, his thoughts here. And if you guys followed his last play, um, it was absolutely correct on the money. Uncle Dave, I want to talk one more game here before we jump into McKenzie's best bet. Why don't we go ahead and do the late game with the Lakers and the Raptors? This should be an interesting one. I noticed some line movement on this one early, Uncle Dave. Lakers were around minus three and a half, minus four at some books. This number has quickly jumped down to minus two and a half currently, but it did jump down to a low of minus two. Money has been rushing in here, Uncle Dave, yet again on the over. This one opened up 213, now up to 222 at most of the sports books. Lakers, Raptors, Lakers have a game under the belt. The Raptors do not. As I mentioned, Lakers minus two and a half favorite right now. Uncle Dave, if you have some thoughts on this one, what are you thinking? Well, Raptors know how to play defense. I mean, they, they shut the Bucks down last year. They uh, they shut down a lot of teams. So that if there was a game I was thinking about the under, that well, that would be the one. And, you know, I, I got to wonder, you know, is this the game where the Lakers, you know, I mean, they only need to win one more game. And is this the game where the Lakers say, you know, I, I don't I don't know that we want to put forth a ton of effort. Obviously, the Raptors do need to win. They can sort of distance themselves uh, from the Celtics for the number two seed. 
you know, I wish I knew if Van Fleet was going to play tonight. And as you said, you know, that it's the, it's the first game for Toronto and the second game for the Lakers. And so that would say, well, you know, in a lot of sports, that's, that's almost all you need, but uh, you know, this isn't a lot of sports. Things are, things are very different right now. So the more I think it through, the more I think that the, the Raptors are probably, the Raptors and under are probably what I would do with that one. Uh, I just don't know how, you know, how much effort the Lakers are going to put in. I know they want to make a statement, but uh, I know the Raptors, the Raptors need to win a whole lot more. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's the Lakers second game, but how much energy did they have to expend beating the Clippers? I mean, not just physically, but mentally. I mean, that was a tight, tight, tight game. So, you know, this is a game where I would think the Lakers might not be super focused. So I definitely lean Raptors there. Uh, and I think maybe with that in mind, the under, strictly because Toronto Toronto can stop teams defensively. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm liking the Raptors and leaning to the under, to put it in the proper vernacular. I could see your under angle with that one. The Raptors, you know, they're certainly going to want to come out and win, win this first game, especially they're going to want to go ahead and beat up on the Lakers. And if the Lakers go out and they play this game where, you know, it's important to them where they're like, you know what, screw it. Let's just get these two, three wins out of the way. Call it a day, wrap it up. You know, we'll end up, you know, integrating whatever we need to do here throughout the next couple games. And then they'll probably do their, you know, their full walkthrough. But, I mean, it looks like these teams are coming out of the gate. At least some of them, they're coming out of the gate, getting ready to just, you know, go full full tilt here. So, one of the things that we should keep an eye on, and as we talked about in that Pelicans-Clippers game, um, you're going to have an, another opportunity in that Jazz-Thunder game to see what a team's going to look like their second go-around and to see how the referees react. So I think, you know, you, you certainly probably want to watch the Jazz game, see how they look, see how the referees react, you know, and see how they play, you know, defensive intensity-wise. And, you know, maybe maybe a team who, who played, you know, will, will be just far superior defensively, I don't know, or offensively for that matter, being that, you know, that, that, that I'm sure these teams have scrimmage and stuff like that, but they haven't actually played an actual game here where, you know, the setting is, is quite different and the referees are out there finally, you know. So I don't know how how to go ahead and react, but it, it, I think it's actually quite odd that, that the Jazz are underdogs. I thought the Jazz actually would have been favorites in that game today. So I just wonder what teams are going to look like, you know, in their second game versus a team that, that hasn't played yet. Uh, I would actually lean to, to going ahead and probably just backing blindly, at least just me, um, backing all those teams that, you know, that already played already, just because there's going to be a lot of knowledge out there that they have that the other teams don't have. And maybe that's something that you want to look at maybe for, uh, you know, maybe a first quarter bet where those teams are comfortable. They understand the sight lines is that and the other. And if we do run into a situation where, you know, let's take Uncle Dave's angle where, you know, maybe the Lakers don't care. Maybe they don't really give a crap. Well, they'll probably look good for the first quarter and maybe they'll just tail it off in the second half. Maybe guys won't play as much. So, um, maybe you do look a couple first quarter. I think that that's certainly a way that um, we could probably go ahead and attack some of these teams that, that have already played. So that's going to wrap up all that we have left. We do have a best bet here from Mackenzie Rivers, a very well thought out best bet here. I like this one as well. He convinced me. I think he'll convince you. Let's go ahead and give that a listen. Oh, painless is waiting. I got a best bet for you guys this week. I'm going to take the Philadelphia 76ers in the first quarter 
minus one and a half versus the Indiana Pacers. Now, here's my thinking. I'm very optimistic on the Sixers. I've upgraded them four points since the end of the regular season. Now, what's happened since then? Well, one, A, Ben Simmons is back. He had been injured. He had a back injury. It was unsure if he was going to play at all the rest of the season. So he is back. He's been looking good in exhibition games. And more importantly, to me anyway, what I think is why I'm so bullish on this team is during practice, he's played exclusively at the power forward position. Now, why is this good? How often have we heard you got to trade either Embiid or Simmons in order to maximize either one of their talents? The idea is simple. Both of them want to be the center point of an offense, and they want to get their bulk of their points in the middle, in the paint. Well, there's been 60 years of traditional basketball where there's been two men that get the majority of their points in the paint. It's called the center and the power forward positions. So what's the problem? What the Sixers had been adopting, or kind of half adopting with Ben Simmons as the point guard, is kind of having a five-out system where you have anyone can drive, including Ben Simmons, where he'll get his points in the paint, and there's no one in the post, and there's four shooters. Well, that's a decent system. That's going to do all right. But against the best of the best, you're not going to hit enough threes, especially a guy like Joel Embiid. You're just wasting his talent to have him on the sideline. So what do they do? They move Ben Simmons to the power forward. They have Shake Milton bring the ball up. They have Josh Richardson bring the ball up. And what does that do? Neither of those guys are premier talents in the guard. Exactly. They know their role. They're shooters. And what they're going to focus on is what the Sixers have been doing for years in the first quarter, which is run an offense through Embiid, get back on defense, and play a very stout style of basketball where you're going to have to deal with the seven-footer that has moves like Dwayne Wade on the wing, Joel Embiid. In the first quarter, since Embiid became a superstar, I'm going to target that at the beginning of the 2017-2018 season, when he kind of took off, and he's like, all right, he's not just an up-and-comer anymore, he's a top-ten player in this league. Since then, in first quarters, when the Sixers have had Embiid in the lineup, they are 66-41 and 41 ATS, good for 62% in the first quarter when Embiid plays. Why? Well, for a long time, his conditioning has not been that good. So he gets his best performance out of the gate. I still think that's kind of true, although all the reports are that his conditioning has been improving over the last couple years, and especially during this hiatus. But that's not what I think the, the primary focus of why the Sixers excel so much in the first quarter. I think it's playing through Embiid, and I think it's the challenge of other teams scoring when that system is in place and when they're getting those first half buckets through Embiid and everybody's getting back and you have a defensive player of the year candidate anchoring the middle while at the same time getting fouls causing havoc on the other end. So what's happened this year? Well, I was riding the first quarter trend in the Sixers all fall and into the winter. It was on a 22-7 and run when Embiid went out with injury January 3rd. In the interim, the Sixers went 6-3. Six and three. Ben Simmons had some great statistical performances, including a 17-point win against the Lakers. So what was the narrative? Well, obviously, look at how impressive the Sixers have been, even though they were only on like a 50-game pace going 6-3, with Simmons being the focal point. Maybe they should do that. Well, they're not going to do that. 
They've come to their senses. They've looked at the tape. They've looked at the data. And they say, this system doesn't work enough to get where we want to go, which is a championship. So Ben Simmons is not going to bring the ball up. He has a lot of ball skills, a lot of speed, a lot of athleticism, much like Draymond Green. That's going to help him in an off-ball position, much more than it would in a ball-dominant position. So you move him to power forward. You move the system back to being Embiid-focused. And I think they're going to dominate an Indiana Pacers team that's kind of fumbling to where they're going to go because they just lost to Monte Sabonis, which saw this line drop two points. I think that's appropriate. And they're working back in Victor Oladipo. So you have a team in the Sixers that's finally set on a system that I think can be dominant in this league versus a Pacers team that's still trying to figure out where they want to go. So that brings me all the way back to my best bet this week, or I guess this is my second of the week. So my second best bet this week, the Philadelphia Sixers in the first quarter, minus one and a half versus the Indiana Pacers. And I just wanted to throw this bonus tidbit at you. Look to bet unders in the second half when the teams are competitive. This stuff will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus, just like me. All right, guys, so there's Mackenzie Rivers with his best bet. Solid stuff there from Mackenzie. As always, guys, uh, Uncle Dave and I will probably be back here again probably on Monday or maybe even tomorrow. We don't know yet. We'll, we'll see what all shakes out. With that said, you guys can find me on Twitter, SleepyJ underscore pregame. You can get Uncle Dave at Dave underscore Essler. You guys can find Mackenzie Rivers at Mac and Rivers, and you can find us all at the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck today. Be careful and enjoy those games.